I want to just uh, share a book with you this morning because I'm, I'm going to uh, read a quote from it here in just a few minutes. But we are, um, I don't know how you feel about the way we do church, the way that God's been, been leading us and the direction he's been leading us. I know most of you, I know most of you and how you feel about the way we do church. Um, but I also know that I, I love the way we do church and, and the, what we're doing right now in, is, a, is an experiment. In, from my vantage point, obviously not from God's, because we have opened ourselves up and said, you know, years ago, 10 years ago, and said, okay, God, we're just blank pages. We believe that, that your spirit is alive and working and can speak and guide us and lead us. And so we're just going to open up the word, and we're going we're gonna to do life with you and do life with some other people. And we started, really, we started about 18 years ago in a home, and in my, our home, and it's kind of progressed as the Lord has led us to, to uh, through this, on this journey together. So today in this room is one expression of that. Uh, there are two other right now expressions of this church uh, and, and, the, and the distinctives that God's given us. I, I've shared with you guys about the right now uh, conference and to life and I, how, how encouraging that has been to us through the years to be able to go to, to another place where people are doing church in similar ways, uh, not, 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 I mean, people that were at the conference and speakers at the conference were, were doing church in similar ways and saying things that, that, we're, that God is leading us to believe and say. So I recognize two things when I go to that conference. Number one, that it's not my own ideas. These things are not my own ideas or the ideas of, uh, of the elders of this church or these churches. It's not our ideas. We didn't just come up with a good idea about how to do church. Because this, this same kind of movement is happening in other places, and it takes different forms, and that's good. But the distinctives are the same. Uh, so that makes, that, you know, that is, uh, is encouraging to go out and find and, and recognize this, that what I'm experiencing by the Holy Spirit's uh, guiding and leading as an elder of this church in, in the way of vision is not disconnected from the rest of who I consider to be godly men who are, who are pursuing God for what the church should look like and what the church should be like. Number two, it's encouraging because I, I, it, it makes me realize I'm not standing alone, you know, that there's some brothers and sisters out there who are experiencing God in fresh and, per, and personal and real ways and in, in are ex- enjoying an organic relationship with a real God who's alive and, and, are, and, and that they are out there doing ministry. And, and so they have some of the same frustrations I have and some of the same joys that I have. Uh, so, man, I was so encouraged. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was given this book, and I didn't really start getting into it until, uh, well, uh, three weeks ago. and started getting into it two weeks ago, and this week just I can't, can't wait to give this to you, uh, not give it to you like I'm buying it for you, buy it yourself, but it's so good, uh, it's called Letters to the Church, written by Francis Chan, who I've always connected with, and Francis is one of the guys that is at the right now conferences, he speaks regularly, uh, very passionate about the Lord, way more emotional than me, we usually have to wait for Francis to finish crying before he can speak, that's the kind of guy he is, right, so you know that I'm not that guy. But I do connect so much with what 
he is experiencing of the Lord in relation to community. And what God's been teaching him and showing him about where the church has gone and, and where the church in, in the, the church being, or the churches uh, in the United States particularly, where we have allowed ourselves to, to move to that's, that's disconnected with biblical church. So our study this year, <laughs> you know, it's so encouraging that we started in the book of Acts and we're asking God in its infancy, this pure little church started off with you know, 120 people in the upper room or 120 people waiting in a room and praying together uh, and doing life together, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come that those 120 very quickly turned into thousands of people, so many uh, people that even the religious leaders in Jerusalem were afraid to speak against them. And then it begins, it begins to spread. And we've just been looking at the dynamics of that. And, and in, this, in this book, that's what Francis Chan is, is saying and speaking. And I haven't finished it uh, just because I haven't had time. It's, it's, it's drawing me in. It's drawing me in. But he he starts the book off by saying this, and I hope we've already done this. He basically says, what if, you know, what what I've said to you, that the way this church started is we just said, okay, blank pages. God, we trust you that what you give us to do out of Scripture and through your Holy Spirit is going to be biblical and it's going to be sound. And it's going to lead the church to experience you and to encounter you in the ways that you want us to. The way you your, your purpose will be fulfilled in us. And he says, what if, at the beginning of this book, what if you were marooned on an island, you and a group of people were marooned on an island, and you found a Bible, and that's all you had, and you, you came to know Christ, and now you're, you're trying to figure out how you already have a desire placed inside of you by the Holy Spirit to do community, because that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? Right? Because we've seen that every time somebody becomes a believer, we'll see it again today. In the text, when a person becomes a believer, the Holy Spirit comes in, automatically there's this desire to be connected to community. Now, I'm not, I, I understand why people don't want to connect with churches today because I used to be the pastor of a church and, and ministered in many churches that were considered to be successful and nobody was encountering God, including me. So I know why people are not drawn to churches today, but if we're going to be the pure church, that's going to be attractive. It's going to have the same kind of draw to people around us that it, that it, has, that it had in, in the book of Acts. But uh, as, as we start thinking about and talking about uh, encountering God and knowing God and experiencing God and walking with God, uh, that's ultimately going to change uh, the dynamic of, of what our church looks like. It's going to change, it's change what you look like in your personal daily life. So I'm encouraged by this. Uh, and, and what Chan is saying, he was a pastor of a mega church. Of course, most of you have heard of him because he has podcasts and books and, and they've been meaningful to you. But he is saying, I'm growing in my understanding and my eyes have been blinded to the reality of what church should be. And if, if we just started from on an island and read the Bible and then looked at what the Bible says church and community is, and then we looked at ourselves and what we're doing, we would, it would blow our minds. And so he does that in the book. He starts looking at that in the book. 
And we've been doing that all year. It's what we've been trying to do. And so I'm just so encouraged by the fact that, that Francis Chan, who is well-known, respected by you, regardless of how you feel about me, you can know this guy has done the big church, the mega church. He's accepted and received by so many Christians across the nation. He's one of the most popular uh, speakers and theologians and ministers in our country, and he's saying the same thing. And so now he has left the mega church, and he's gone around. He went to different countries. He's been praying, about, uh, asking God what he needed to do, and God said, start house churches in cities. So I don't know, guys. You know, I'm sitting here this morning. Satan is trying to keep me, to get me distracted as I'm worshiping, which he does every week. Usually he does, he's not successful. A couple of times recently he has been. Uh, thinking about who's not here, who's, who's not passionate about being with us and being in community with us. Uh, and by, by those are not necessarily the same people. Some of you here might not be passionate about being in community with us. Right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying who's not here is what comes to my mind. What's, what's the matter with people? What's, and judgment and thinking about people comes to my mind in the house of God when I, I want to be here to worship God with my community. I, we're like-minded. We're drawn together to worship God together. So I need to be able to, I need God's help. Pray for me as your pastor. I need God's help to re, restructure my way of thinking, to get my mind on him, and to, be, to, get me, to get my heart to the place where I'm satisfied with him. I want my mind's attention and my heart's affection to be totally toward God. Not just here, but as we've been talking about this week in our, in our one-on-one meetings that there's no dichotomy of what's spiritual and what's secular. But because even our trials, we were talking about this morning, the worship team, even our trials in our life are not secular when, when we recognize who we are in Christ. He is, he is going to take that problem, trial, tribulation, and he's already overcome it. And so when it happens in our life, rather than focusing on all the negative stuff that's tied to it and convincing ourselves that, Somehow convincing ourselves that God's not there, unless we, if we would just understand the truth that God is always with us, even in the trials. There is no dichotomy between trials and spiritual life, right? Because God is there. He's present in the middle of it. And we just need to watch to see how God's going to take that problem and turn it into something good. Because it's what he does for believers. It's a promise of God. And we all have had experiences where we look back and we say, wow, God took that terrible situation and turned it for good. Isn't that great? But in the moment, we're freaking out. And we spend weeks and months in anxiety and worry and fear rather than going ahead and believing it in the moment, right? Seeing it. Knowing that God is consistent, that if he ever took our bad circumstances and turned them for good, he's always going to take our bad circumstances and turn them for good. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So, now I want us to get victory over this. The lie that Satan continues to tell me is because we're not big and because we're not growing fast, that we're not doing what's right. And I want to just tell you, man, I am so fired up and encouraged about what we're doing. And God knew I needed this right now. I needed some encouragement. 
that what God's leading us to do is what we need to be doing. And everybody's not coming along with us, but I want you to know, man, you're a child of God, and that's enough. You're his, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and that's enough. And if you want to celebrate that with us on Sunday, come on, because we're going to be celebrating that and talking about that. And if you don't, then wherever you are, find God, right? Because he's not isolated to this building. He will show up where you are. He's with you always if you're his child. And I encourage you to do what the Bible says in relation to community. You know, do your ABCs. Abide in Christ, bless other people, and commit to community because in those ways you are opening up so many doors to get to know God personally as he wants to reveal himself to you through the combination of those different elements. That's just a summary of what the Bible says we're supposed to be as a church. So I encourage you, get the book, read it, Francis Chan's Letters to the Church. Uh, It's going to encourage you and also hopefully get you motivated uh, to continue to walk in the way that we're walking right now. All right, so here's where we are in the book of Acts. We were talking about last week about how the Holy Spirit... uh, who, who the church is following and totally surrendered to, uh, how the Holy Spirit in their surrender to him is leading the church to do all kinds of things, and it's, and it's things they've never done before. They didn't learn it in a book or see it in another church and say, okay, well, let's duplicate that, and we're going to read a statement from Francis this morning in just a second in his book about that, but it's, they are looking to the Holy Spirit to define for them what their community needs to look like, what do they need to be involved in, what do they need to be uh, um, adjusting to? And so the Holy Spirit is giving them a lot of things to do, uh, but they are, they are more than willing. They're so excited to be able to join the Holy Spirit in these things. And the result has been that the church, the, this grouping of believers who were not connected are now connected. That this group of believers that, are, that used to be selfish are now selfless. Uh, these, these, uh, this group of believers from all different nations uh, came together, and, and they used to be divided, and now they're together. And they have one heart and one mind is what the, the way the Scripture de- uh, describes them. And, they are, and more people are, are finding the Lord and becoming connected with them. And God is saving people. And, so, and now they're moving out to spread this word. And as they spread it, Community is being multiplied, not just any community, not, not a way of doing church, but the Holy Spirit is being brought out, and, and the salvation through Christ and His blood is being understood by people for the first time. The grace of God is being exper- experienced, and as people receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to live this communal life again, together, in whatever town they go to, and it happens all the way through the book of Acts. And so we're going to pick up today what happened after um, Paul and uh, Silas had their experience last week where uh, they were called by God to go into the Macedonian region. He was praying and, and seeking the Lord, and they got a direction from God to go. So I'm picking up in verse 11 of chapter 16. This is what happens. So last week, Paul got his vision, and here's what goes on. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, the city, uh, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went 
outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. The one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right, let's look at this particular situation. First of all, Paul set sail for the Macedonian region. Now, why did he do that? Because last week, when Paul had his vision from God, we talked about how the Holy Spirit directed him. We saw clearly that Paul and Silas were, first of all, driven to know the Lord and pursue the Lord through obedience, and they were but then they were also directed by the Holy Spirit. And we talked about what that looked like. Sometimes the Holy Spirit shuts down doors at two different times. As Paul and Silas were trying to figure out what to do, they had desires to go to one place, and the Lord shut it down. They went, had a desire to go to another place, and the, Lord, the Holy Spirit shut it down. And then Paul has this dream. And so they're doing this for one reason, and it's the reason why they've been doing everything they've been doing. It's the reason why the church is in existence. It's why we're seeing this activity in the church. Why the community is being formed in the way that it is. And that is that they were surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to start there because I don't want us to leave out the fact that this is a continuing journey. There will always be a remnant of leaders, at least, who are moving out and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. As long as they're doing that, The Holy Spirit continues to move and work and change lives. Now, he doesn't ever stop, but he's unhindered at this point. Francis Chan, in his book, spoke about how the trend of today's churches is to copy other churches instead of being directed by the Holy Spirit. And then he made this statement. I I have the quote here. Look at it. He says, my hope is that you will refuse to take the easy route. Speaking to us as the church, you need to care about his church enough to fast and pray. You must believe you play a necessary role in the church. Seek wisdom and direction from God. He has given you his spirit so you can know and follow his will. There is no substitute for undistracted prayer. Our country needs to encounter churches that cannot be explained by strategic planning. And I believe everything inside you wants the Holy Spirit to move through you and do more than you can currently imagine. Start praying for this now. Francis is talking about his hope for the church as he's had this transition from a mega church pastor and a a sought-after speaker who's traveled the world and people are asking him to come and speak because he is famous and because he's created... uh, with, with God's help and a group of people, created this megachurch. And now within the context of his megachurch, he can't get people to do anything because they don't have a place to, they don't have somebody to take care of their children. And because they don't, they, he's trying to send people out to go start house churches from his megachurch, and they're, they're, he has caused the problem. And the problem is they like to hear him speak, and they like to have their kids taken care of while they're experiencing that. 
I, I mean, I feel it. I feel that. But he says, rather than just following these patterns that have been developed, the church has become sick instead of looking in the, into the scriptures and, and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do, and it will be enough. It's not, listen, it's enough if we shut this building down and sell it and use that money, however God will have us to use it, and get in homes and meet together. It's enough unless God tells us to do something else. It's enough for us to experience that kind of intimacy with one another. It's almost impossible. Matter of fact, it is impossible, I believe, for us to experience what the Lord has for us in community on Sunday morning in this church. This is a small part, a very small part of what we need to be in the church. And I believe if we, if we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and lead us, each one of us, and guide us, each one of us, to the, act, to the activity that he would have us to do in community with one another, we would see a whole diff- have a whole different experience and see a world that's interested in him. That's what happens in the book of Acts, and I believe it's what God wants to happen here, but we need to be determined to follow the Holy Spirit in leadership here, and as a church body, we need to follow the Holy Spirit in his leading. It's sad, but it shocked me when, when uh, Francis gave this illustration. But one of the elders in his megachurch came out of prison. That's where he found the Lord. And he actually found him when he was in solitary, solitary confinement, I think reading a book. He became a believer, and he, was, he spent his whole life in gangs, and that's why he was in prison. And it was part of the gang in the prison for his own safety. Uh, you know, stayed connected. But once he found the Lord, he risked his life and got out of the gangs and began to just give his life to God. But he, would just, he described the gang that he was in, that they were brothers, like more than brothers would be brothers. They were so close to each other. They, they shared the same vision and the same uh, activities, and they were committed to that, and they had each other's backs. And if someone was in trouble, they all put everything down that they were doing to go and help that person out. And, and, and there was no chance or possibility that that person would be hurt or threatened as long as there was a, their family was together. And, and there's this picture that I was getting as he was sharing that of what the church was like in the book of Acts. Now, we've got, and I know we're, I'm, I'm proud to say that we are moving forward as a church. We are going to be wherever the Lord leads us to go. But you know what? We are so far from that. We are still so into ourselves. We're here for us today, probably. You know, we're going to make our decisions this week based on us. And we're not, we may or may not even engage with the, with the church community in life group, much less, or on Sunday morning, much less give our time and our efforts and check on each other and be in each other's lives and have each other's backs and, and give to each other as, as each other has needs. We need to Ask the Holy Spirit to do something in us, to show us what do we need to be in community with one another. I don't have the answers. I just have the question. I don't have the solution. I just have the problem. And I'm frustrated with it, and I hope you are too. And let's, let's pursue what the Lord would have for us because Satan has us where he wants us. He has us bound up doing religious activity with no purpose and no meaning and no connection and no commitment. And we, we are so used to and so excited about easy community. And there's just so much more for us. 
so much more for the world around us. Surely we can find that. So let's do that. In our church, let's continue to surrender ourselves to what the Holy Spirit leads us to do and be in community. And particularly as we're multiplying community, we're not just going out there. We're going out with the Holy Spirit to multiply and bring it into other regions of the world and of our own country and our own city. We're going in our own state. We're going to other places to, to bring these distinctives that God's teaching us into other communities. And it doesn't matter how big they are. And it doesn't matter whether they take our name or not. We're just trying to bring a knowledge of God and a pursuit of God to people in other communities. So they did it by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But then look at it. It says they were searching for, uh, basically it shows that they're searching for those who, were, who God was, was leading them, that call that he saw, that man that was calling from Macedonia. He wasn't looking for that man necessarily. Matter of fact, he doesn't find a man. But there's a, he says there's a man saying, come, help us in Macedonia. So now he's going. And so he's going over to Macedonia looking for, searching for those people. They said, come over to Macedonia to help us. And so they went with expectancy that the Holy Spirit was going to show them who it was that they needed to, to, to spend time with, to, to minister to, to invest in. They go to the leading city, which makes sense. They go to, to uh, Philippi, which is the leading city of Macedonia. And then they're looking around to see evidence of the Spirit's movement. Now, I want to give you confidence that the Lord's already spoken this for us as a body. We are not trying to go all over the world and find places that we can go and find some people who would be open to us coming and doing some things to, to building a church in their community. We are looking for the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, last year, the beginning of the year, this is, not, this is January of 2017, part of the vision the Lord gave the elders was that that was going to be the year that God was going to begin to multiply our church. He'd all, I mean, we, it was already in our DNA. It's one of our distinctives. It has been since the beginning of our church. But that this would be the year that he would begin to multiply the gathering place west. We didn't go out and make it happen. We didn't go try to make it happen, even though God said this will be the year. I felt like he said that. I didn't try to go find those places. I just opened my eyes with expectancy that God was going to show us some places. And it was that year that uh, we had family come down from Ruston, and, and the church, be, uh, that began to happen. And we followed the Holy Spirit's leadership to plant the church in Ruston. And so we're going to look for evidence of where the Holy Spirit's working. And we're going to look for evidence that the Holy Spirit's drawing us or calling us to be in a place where these distinctives are needed, where people are open and ready for this kind of church, and it doesn't matter the size of it. It will happen in a, in a home first. And then if it spreads beyond that, that's fine. Multiple homes, maybe a corporate experience of worship because we are used to that and because we enjoy that, and we can worship the Lord together in that but never letting worship and our corporate experience be a distraction. We're looking for that. But let me ask you this. Are you looking for evidence of where the Holy Spirit is moving and working in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your encounters with people, in the decisions that you're making in your daily life? Are you already doing that? Because that's where it's going to start. This is not a thing that the elders are doing. This is what the church is doing. We need to get our eyes open, to allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see evidence of where he's working and moving. 
And so I encourage you, I challenge you to, to that. To open your eyes to see where the Holy Spirit is moving and working. That's what Paul and Silas were doing when they showed up in Macedonia, and particularly in Philippi. So where did they begin? Well, they had always begun in the synagogue. Up to this point, they always go to the Jewish synagogue, and that's where they begin their work. So, they, And they're not doing that here, which probably meant, according to most of the commentaries I read, there was probably no Jewish synagogue here, or they would have gone there first, because they're definitely going out to reach Jews and Greeks alike. And so they go there, but in this particular Roman colony, there probably was not a synagogue. So where did they see evidence that God was working? Where did they see any evidence of the Holy Spirit's movement? Apparently, they had some kind of a evidence or an understanding that there was a little prayer meeting going on outside of town on the Sabbath. Because, in verse 13, look at it, it says, On the Sabbath day they went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a, a place of prayer. They supposed that there was a place of prayer there. You don't just suppose that. Rivers don't automatically have prayer meetings going on. Right, Something happened during the week, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit showed them that something was going on there. So they went there, and they sat down, and they started speaking to the women who had come together. So one of the ways that the apostles knew that the Holy Spirit was working was in the discovery of some receptive people and, and, a, and a reputation that had gotten around town that these people were pursuing God, that they were worshipers of God. Look, that, this, is, this is so consistent with what... Jesus told his disciples. You remember in Luke chapter 9, look at this, in verses 4 to 6, when Jesus is sending the 12 disciples out, he tells them, whatever house you enter, stay there for, and from there depart. And whenever they do not receive you, when you leave the town, shake the dust from off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So they were used to this, going and finding a place where reception where they, where, they received, uh, where they were received well. And so they're looking for it. They went outside the gate to the riverside on the Sabbath. And so somehow, somehow during their days in Philippi, they had heard or saw evidence of a gathering of searchers of God, and they went there. So let me make this point, because I think it's significant. A successful church plant is going to be with people who are searching for God. As far as the gathering place is concerned and what God has called us to be and to do, a successful church plan for us is not, gonna go, is not coming home from a meeting in a random town with a random group of people who we've found who are bitter against the church, gathered them together and say, hey, let's do it differently. And then we come back and say, we got 30 people. And the next week we come back and say, there's 60 of them that are disgruntled and bitter and tired of doing church their way and they gather in a building. That is not what we see in the Scripture. They're looking for people who are hungry for God. They're looking for wanderers who are out there searching for God, trying to find God in the places where they're going. And there are certainly people like that in all the churches. Uh, hopefully, surely, there's a remnant of people who are searching for God in all the churches around here. But I'm just saying a successful church plan for us is going to be people who are searching for God and whose hearts are worshiping already with expectation that God's going to respond. And, and I, here's what I know. I know that I, I, I am in the, I'm talking about my ministry, nobody else's. That I have served as minister in churches where, in churches that were full of people that were not really interested in God at all. And I was their leader, and I wasn't interested in God. 
I was interested in producing something. It's hard to see it when you're in it. And Francis Chan says that in his book, when you're, you're blinded by the megachurch. You're sitting in the middle of it, and you're, you're blinded about the reality that, that you're not even seeking God. You don't even really want God. And that's the place we need to start, is just recognize that. We don't. God, draw us to yourself. But the church is full of people may or may not really be interested in God at all. And so these people were worshiping. They were hungry for something, but they didn't know what it was. But also, church is not the building. Okay, obviously, this, this shows us that, right? There was no building here for them to go worship in. The church was not the building. The church would be made up of those who were drawn to worship God. And so, let's, let's grab that as we begin to multiply as we begin to go out and plant new churches, as you are a part of that, as you are a part of multiplying this church in the place where you live, in the, in the neighborhood where you are, in the workplace where you work, as you're out there looking for the Holy, evidence of the Holy Spirit's work, just understand what we're looking for is people that are being drawn by the Holy Spirit into community, people that are being drawn already by the Holy Spirit into relationship. So we, we bless people here. We begin with prayer. We listen to them. We eat with them. We serve them in whatever way the Lord opens up, and we are watching the Holy Spirit work. It's such a beautiful thing, man. When, when you're just watching and the Holy Spirit highlights somebody to you or brings a conversation around to talk about the salvation or to talk about anything related to God that ultimately will open the door to you to share the gospel. Man, it's just we're looking for that. Look for that where you live, and then let's multiply that into community. That's what we're doing in churches. We're just going to find pockets of people who are hungry, pockets of people who are thirsty for God and will not be put off by religion. They're not going to be put off, and they're not going to be slowed down by religion. They're pursuing God, and I believe God will bring us to those people. I think that's why the Holy Spirit told Paul, showed Paul in a vision, somebody's crying out from Macedonia, I need you there, and that we would, we would allow the Holy Spirit to take us as those who are spreading the message to people who are hungry for God because the Holy Spirit has already testified in their hearts and they're being drawn and, and they're, they're wanting the answer like Cornelius when, when P- Peter was led to go to Cornelius. He's already hungry. He was a worshiper of God, but he didn't have Jesus and he needs Jesus. And so let's be open to that. Let's let the Lord lead us where we go. It's so beautiful the way the Lord has done that already in our church. And I look, I'm hungry for more. Also, God identifies the person of peace among the worshipers. The title of the message today, um, I don't know what I titled it, something of peace. Peace, places of peace, not just people of peace, right? Places of peace. What does it mean to find people, a person who's a person of peace? Paul goes in and finds somebody here. Look at it in verse 14. One who heard, heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, here's what Paul and Silas were looking for. They were looking for a group of people who were hungry for God and didn't know how to get in. <laughs> they, were looking, they were looking for the people who needed the message of Christ, and they found the group, as Paul, and as Paul's speaking to the group, the Spirit identifies a person who would be their leader, the leader of this new church. A woman, Lydia, the seller of purple. 
a leader of these women. Uh, the Holy Spirit highlighted her. How, how, did, he, how, did, she, how did he do that? Well, the only thing, only thing we have in the text is that God showed Peter, I mean Paul, evidence that God had led her to hear what he was saying. I mean, she was receiving it. I can tell you on Sunday mornings when, I, when I'm speaking, I've shared this with some of you because it encourages me. And when I'm speaking on Sunday morning, look, I'm not asking you to look at me. But, but, and looking at me is one thing, but I can tell when someone's engaged. I can tell when the Holy Spirit's working and drawing you in to what I'm saying. It's so evident in the congregation. Uh, Wes, you know that, man. Anytime, any of you that have spoken to people, uh, has, have preached before, when you're preaching and you see people being drawn in, it's so evident. That, and, and that's what Paul's experiencing here. He's, he's talking to these women, and he, and he sees Lydia standing out like, like she had already been talking to these girls about the fact that they needed more, and then here's the more coming in, right? So those that are hungry are about to get fed. So Paul identifies this leader, all right? And in Luke chapter 10, in chapter 9, he sends the apostles out. We read that. But in chapter 10, he sends out the 72. And this, again, is another evidence. This is what they're looking for. They would be trained already, in a sense, by the Holy Spirit to be looking for these things. If Jesus told the disciples to look for this, then the Holy Spirit would also be saying the same thing because the Holy Spirit is Jesus, right? So look at verses 5 through 8 of chapter 10. The 72 are sent out. And here's, their, here's one of the commands that Jesus gives them. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wage. Do not go from house to house. They're looking for a specific group, and they're looking for a specific person within that group that would be that person of peace, that would be that person that everybody looks up to, everybody's listening to, ready to hear, uh, watching to see if they respond to the gospel. I don't know how many of you were part of the gathering place, probably not many of you, Uh, because this was a long time ago in Tioga when we sent out the Williamses. But when, when Kenneth and Christy Williams came and you know, who were part of our church when this church first started back 18 years ago. When they came to our church and asked us, or told us, I asked them to come and tell us about their mission. They were fixing to go to, Honda, to Uganda. And they sat in our church, and I'll never forget, they were on the right side of that little church in Tioga with their, at that point, four kids and one in the oven. Or, yeah, four kids and one in the oven. Uh, she was eight months pregnant, and they were sitting there, and they were leaving in just a few uh, weeks to go to Uganda and invest their life there. That the word that they gave us was that the Lord told them through 2 Chronicles 16, 2 Chronicles, I can't remember the verse. Anyways, the, the verse that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And they were going to a land in Uganda that had been experiencing drought for years. And that God had told them that if they would believe that they were going to go to the elders of the church, of the community, not the church, and that if the elders would believe that God would heal their land. And it happened. It happened in a very short time. And it's beautiful the way that it happened. But God kept his promise, and that's what happened. They went there. 
And here's what happened. When the elders in a village put their faith in Christ, then the rest of the village were freed up to do it. Now, that sounds weird to us, but that's their culture. And before we knew it, I think it was 167, am I right? 167 people in this one village prayed to receive Christ. And then Kenneth and Christy took their stuff, packed it up, moved to that village, and began to invest their lives there. And there's still ministry going on there. And before, like within weeks, nine of the men of the 167 wanted to be pastors. And so we sent a team of people up to build a, whatever y'all would call it, Will, you built it, a hut, a, a massive hut with a lot of rooms so those men could come there and stay and get training and be taught basic, just what it means to be a Christian. And then congratulations, you, now you know what it means to be a Christian. You're a pastor. Go. You got the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. That's what's going on here. There's a person of peace in these villages. There, there are people already that God has given us. In, in Uganda, I mean, in, in Honduras, God gave us uh, Dario. You know that story because we just got back from there. And now we have access to 50 pastors and 50 little churches that are hungry for, for already for what we're teaching. They're hungry for it. And it's not our doing. God gave us a pastor. And as I sat across from him for three or four days this, this summer and began to share with him our distinctives, which he had already heard, you know, over a period of six years, I shared these distinctives in detail and said, are you on board with this? He said, man, I'm more than on board. He didn't say it like that because he speaks broken English. But anyway, he was more than on board. He says, God's already been speaking that to me. He's already been speaking that to me. Let me tell you, and then this and that. And every time I would say anything, his grin, this grin would come on his face, and then he would share with me how God had already spoken that. He is so excited to be a, a gathering place, church planter in Honduras. We didn't make that happen. The Holy Spirit said, go. We went. We didn't know what was going on when we went. We went at the beginning of the summer, and I had to go back because I had no clue what God was going to do, or I'd have been prepared. There is no strategy to it. The Holy Spirit is leading. And now we have access to all these pastors. We have gathering place pastors who are abiding in Christ in, in Uganda. We can't even speak their language. I, I, gave a, I, I taught leaders, uh, uh, about 12 or 15 leaders in a circle, and, and my translator had to translate it into three dialects for 12 or 13 people to be able to understand it. So I would say the, and then off he would go. And about 10 minutes later, I'd say the next word. No, it wasn't quite that bad. But we have, we have our distinctives. What God is teaching us is being developed in Uganda. And it's being developed in Ruston. And God's given us great leaders from the community that are part of our church in Ruston. I know it's people of peace. It's people that, that God will use because they have, some, they have some influence with other people in the community. And God's the one that has to do that. We don't know who those people are. But it's not by accident that God puts people together. And so when we go, we're going looking as a, to multiply this community. We're going looking in other communities that God sends us to for people that God puts in our path and who it is that he would have to be in leadership. So that's what they were looking for, and that's what they found. All right, look at verse 14b. Here's what happened with Lydia. She was a worshiper of God, but she was not a Christian. And so what happens is, in verse 14b, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. There's a difference between knowing 
God, are knowing about God, and believing in Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a world that's trying to tell us it's all the same. And also that God has many different names. Is that all religions are the same. And, you know, so it doesn't matter what religion you're part of. They all are exactly the same. You just call it what you will and everybody's good. No, they're not. Here's a worshiper of God that needed to believe, put her faith in Jesus Christ. Paul came and he taught her, just like he, we don't have the message that Paul preached here, but we have enough of Paul's messages prior to this one and Peter's messages. We know what they're teaching. They're teaching that stuff you've been listening to is from God. Now let us tell you the rest of the story. Jesus. She had to put her faith in Jesus. And she did. She put her faith in Jesus. And, and so just, uh, we're, we're not going to grow a way of thinking or to to, to uh, make a name for ourselves by adding people to some building in another location. We are going to spread the message of the grace of Christ, the grace of God that's been, that's been given to us through the redemption of Christ, the shed blood of Jesus that washes our sins away, and the righteousness of, of Jesus that's been given to us as a free gift so that we stand before God just and righteous. And we're going to spread that message We're not trying to build a church. We're just trying to bring about salvation for believers. And that is building the church, right? But it's it's different than what we think and the way we've been thinking. So we all know it's not only possible but probable that, that a town full of churches may be also full of people who are not believers. And that many of those unbelieving Church members are hungry for God. They're out there. We call them wanderers. It's interesting. I put a wow in this book because he calls them wanderers too. That's, I thought that was just a term that, you know, I mean, it's my term. I won't let him know he's supposed to give me credit for that. But no, I mean, isn't it cool though? The way they are, they're wanderers. They're out there. They're in churches. They're looking around. They're not, they're hungry for God and they're not finding what they need. In the church, and, and there, there are unbelievers in all churches. There are unbelievers surely in this church. But we're going to tell the world about Jesus, and it's going to make all the difference. Now, so far in the book of Acts, we see evidence that communities form after salvation happens. When the Holy Spirit comes... Communities form, and and after salvation, we find people wanting to be baptized, which was evident for them of a a change of of direction, of a repentance, of a turning to a new leader, of a following a new person, of a taking on the lifestyle of that person. So they knew baptism then. It's not an automatic thing for us, but it was for them, and and we find that everywhere that salvation happens, baptism happens, which symbolizes their salvation. And then the gathering happens, and selfless giving happens. You know, all of the people that have been saved in the book of Acts, they're, they're automatically, these things happen. How does that happen? It happens because the Holy Spirit goes inside of them. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in them. And then he begins to lead them to do the same things. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit has indeed come and entered into a life. And look at what happens in Lydia's life in verse 15. And after she was baptized, like there's no doubt, let me just square that up. She was baptized, okay? She changed loyalty. She changed direction in her life. 
She turned from her sin and turned from a life of uh, being her own master, her own Lord, and she turned to Jesus, who would give her free uh, justification and salvation and redemption, and her household as well. Her household was also affected by that. And, and commentaries are not sure really whether they're talking about her own family or they're talking about these ladies that were with her, that her household, that term could be used to describe all these people that were in community with her. But it happened. And then she immediately prevailed upon them, right? She says, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. How many times have we seen that in the book of Acts so far? Someone receives Christ, and immediately they say, they cling to you. They want to be connected with you. They want to be in the body, and they begin to, to, to give to the body. Come to my house, and I'll take care of you. Apparently, she had a little bit of money, right, because she had a house that was big enough to take care of them. So they're gathering right away. They're doing a life group at Lydia's house, <laughs> The church has just started, and they're already doing life group at, the, at Lydia's house. They're doing community together. Always happens. We're drawn into community. And it's always going to be a distinctive of our church because it's what the Holy Spirit does. We're not trying to say that this is enough. If you've ever heard me speak about anything in this church, this is not enough. This Sunday morning service is not for a person who's thirsty for God. It's not enough. If you're hungry or thirsty for God, this is one tiny meal. This is like a, it's really, it's like the peanuts before the meal because the meal happens in life group and it happens in community with each other. During the week, it's connecting with each other. It's being a gang together who has each other's back and loves each other and invests in each other. I'm convicted by it. Don't, don't get the opinion that I got this and I'm trying to give it to you. We need to get this. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do here. And then we'll, we'll read the rest of the story next week, but I, I want to fast forward to verse 40 because it's another evidence that they're in community together. When Paul and Silas were been thrown in prison, when they left the prison, in verse 40, they returned where? To the home of Lydia. And there they met with believers and encouraged them once more. So they left the home and went back to the house of Lydia. They're, they are doing community together. It's what happens when the Holy Spirit multiplies the community. If he multiplies our, as he multiplies this community, he's going to call us to go where we go. He's going to take care of us when we get there. He's going to show us who it is that we're, we're going to watch for him. He's going to show us who it is we need to be connected with. And then he's going to be the one that has to grab their hearts, turn them, turn them around with the words that we have to speak, and they will believe the message and so will other people in the community that need to be a part of that gathering. And they're going to do life together. And that's what it means to multiply community. It's not really that complicated. This is what Paul and Silas were looking for. They were looking for the Holy Spirit's work and the Holy Spirit's movement in another location. And they found it. They found the people that God was calling. And a church is about to be formed in Philippi. And it's going to be one of the most dynamic churches 
that God ever created through Paul's preaching and teaching. Now, I don't know what this church is going to look like 10 years from now, but if I had to guess, it's going to look a lot like it does right now. But I hope that the vision of God for this body will happen and that there will be another hundred of these spread out all over the country, all over countries. Not so we can make a name for ourselves. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with this is what biblical community looks like. This is what it looks like to multiply community when the Holy Spirit's in charge. We are not going off and trying to do something somewhere else that we're not doing here. We are all about abiding in the Holy Spirit, Him directing our paths, Him giving us a constant drive to continue to serve Him and to move forward with the thing, to, to know Him and pursue Him. That's our drive. And we want other people to know Him as well. All right, so examine yourself today. And we're going to have some more worship before we go. But listen, examine your life today. Don't walk out of here and leave this message here. God is calling us to multiply community. If you feel hungry for this, you, you feel driven like we do, if you feel directed by the Holy Spirit to be a part of what we've been talking about, then, man, just do it. Get involved. Get plugged in. And if you need some help understanding some of this stuff, starting next Sunday after church, we're going to have lunch, and I'm going to start taking us through the six distinctives of our church. And you are welcome to come. Just let me know today. So we can prepare for your kids and prepare for you food. And we're going to eat together and start doing, talking about our distinctives. All right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you in front of my church family for Francis Chan and for this book. I thank you for the encouragement that it's been to me this week. Lord, you knew I needed this, and I'm sure there are people here today besides me that need a confirmation from you that we're not crazy, and if we are, it's a good kind of crazy, that it's a God kind of crazy. And Father, we are not hungry for, for bigger churches, and we're not hungry for fame, God, and we're not hungry for big egos that can boast about how many churches we've planted and started. Lord, we just are hungry for you and know that there are people out there that are starving to death that need this. And so we want to be a multiplying church. Thank you for the study in the book of Acts and what we're discovering about what it means to multiply. And Lord, we see today that it means that we continue to stay true to your spirit's leadership. And Lord, that that you are going to be faithful like you always have been to bring, the right, bring us to the right places and the right people. We are hungry for you. And God, that, that our passions will be fueled by one another and we'll find ourselves more in love with you because we've spent time together and that communities can be changed. And Ultimately, God, our whole purpose, our whole purpose is that more people in this world that's full of death, and people's lives are meaningless that they would find you and see the purpose for which they were created. Lord, multiply us here. Multiply this church by giving us people 
putting people around us and giving us evidence about of who they are and giving us words to say and, and hearts to serve and ears to listen. And Father, ultimately, a story to tell. Give us that, God. We want to see that here. We want to see authentic believers coming together, hungry for you, which ultimately will give us the fruit that we're looking for, a blessed life, authentic worship, and a deeper knowledge of who you are. We commit ourselves to that today, God, and we worship you as, as we think about these things. In Jesus' name.